Chair, our staff is ready when you are. Thank you, please. Okay. I'm sorry, Chair. We are currently live and ready to go. Thank you. Good evening and welcome to the Wednesday, November 16th, 2022 Preservation Commission meeting. Uh, the meeting is now called to order. Uh, will the clerk please call the roll? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute and turn on your video. Commissioner Carter. I do see Commissioner Carter's on the call. I will come back to him. Commissioner Herrick. Here. Thank you. Commissioner Montemayor. Here. Thank you. Commissioner Root. Here. Thank you. Commissioner Slavkin. Here. Thank you. Vice Chair Miller. Here. Thank you. Chair Valamia. Here. Thank you. And I will go back to Commissioner Carter. And he is currently absent. Thank you. We have a quorum. Thank you. Uh, this meeting uh, continues to be virtual via Zoom. Uh, for members of the public who would like to join, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Uh, once you've joined and if you'd like to provide public comment, please use the uh, raise your hand function and uh, the staff will call on you during public comment. Uh, the directions for mobile app as well as telephone are also uh, on the agenda. Uh, you will have two minutes to speak once you are called on, and we will now proceed with today's agenda. And it does look like Commissioner Carter maybe is having technical difficulties. Okay, uh, so with that, uh, please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands uh, led by Commissioner Herrick. Thank you, Chair. To the regional people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Putwin Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather, to, gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. So the first item on the agenda is the approval of the consent calendar. And there's one item on the consent calendar approval of the meeting minutes from the September 21st meeting. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I do not see any hands raised for this matter. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any commissioner comments? 
can I have a motion to approve the consent calendar? Move to approve the consent calendar as uh, in the agenda. Thank you. And do I have a second? Thank you. I have a motion by Vice Chair Miller and a second by Commissioner Slavkin. A clerk, will you please call the roll? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute and turn on your video for roll call vote. Commissioner Carter? Is currently still absent. I know he's trying to figure it out. Commissioner Harrett? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Montemayor? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Root? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Slavkin? Yes. Thank you. Vice Chair Miller? Yes. Thank you. Chair Valania? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Great. Thank you. Item two on the agenda is the ordinance listing the zoo entrance structures uh, in Land Park as a landmark on the Sacramento Register of Historic and Cultural Resources. Is there a staff presentation? Yes, Chair. Hi, I'm Stacia Cosgrove with the Community Development Department, and Henry Fuse will be introducing this item to you tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Acting Director Cosgrove. I will be presenting a landmark item for the zoo entrance structures. Um, here is my presentation. Um, so, um, so the zoo entrance structures are a significant example um, of modern architecture built in 1961. Um, they're down in Land Park. Um, you've probably seen them as you've driven by at, um, down West Land Park Drive. Um, they're publicly owned. They're within the park boundaries um, owned by the city. And there are two criteria of significance that we're going to be listing the, the, this uh, landmark structure under. Um, and this came about um, originally in 2011. There was a survey done by YPSI and um, sponsored by the city that surveyed land park significant structures. Um, and then further on Sacramento Modern um, expanded on that and sponsored a further analysis of the buildings. And, and then a further, uh, in 2017 later, there was a, a citywide mid-century modern historic context uh, created by Sacramento Modern, the city and the state office of historic preservation that identified these structures as significant uh, uh, examples of mid-century modern architecture, and specifically of the Guggie style. Um, so we have a short video that was produced by Sacramento Modern that I'm going to play uh, just about a minute and a half.
So we can thank uh, Gretchen Steinberg for presenting that to us. Um, so continue with my presentation. Um, we are, to be clear on the boundaries for this landmark nomination, we are only landmarking the zoo entrance structures themselves outlined here in the red. Uh, since this is a city owned uh, property, it is uh, encompassing the entire parcel um, of, of William Land Park. Um, so we just want to be clear that this is not for the park itself. This is for specifically the zoo entrance structures and not the even the zoo um, um, main boundary itself for, for nothing within the zoo. Um, so we are landmarking this for both its architecture and its significant um, background with architects. Um, so for criterion three, which is the architect architecture, we're um, showing that this is a significant example of the Greedy style, which is also known as uh, the exaggerated modern style. It's kind of a sect of the mid-century modern style that really embraces bold lines and this um, hyperbolic paraboloid roof that you see here. Um, we have seen this example, uh, this type of, of roof line on other significant buildings around the city. And um, what makes this specific uh, building so important is that it is an example of uh, more human-centric architecture, whereas a lot of times this was used for uh, auto-oriented like gas stations and whatnot. Um, and this is also an example of a building that has multiple hy uh, hyperbolic paraboloid roof lines, which um, this example has three intact but are still existent, um, whereas most of the time for gas stations, it would have been one or two, um, if that. Um, so showing that um, there's still a lot of integrity to the architecture, this, the shape of the forms are still there. Uh, the, the main um, entrances are still being used. The glass curtain wall is still existent, albeit a little bit covered with um, zoo um, logos and whatnot, but the main um, integrity of the building is still intact, including the brick piers as well. Um, additionally, we're also landmarking under Criterion 4 for its association with the architecture firm Ricky and Brooks. Um, they were identified in the Mid-Century Modern Survey as a prominent architecture, uh, Sacramento-based uh, Mid-Century Modern Architecture firm that developed uh, multiple significant buildings around the Sacramento area, including this, which is one of their most prominent examples of, of uh, the Greedy style. Um, and so they were really known for their, um, especially in the 1960s, where this was built in 1961, um, the, their eye-catching designs and, and bold lines. And um, another example is the Driver and Hunt building in Midtown. Um, although it's not built in the Greedy style, it still is it, it's fully embraces the mid-century modern style and has a, a, a masonry screen. And um, they were they were very prominent uh, in, in Sacramento area. Um, so with that, staff recommends that the Preservation Commission make a recommendation to the City Council that the zoo entrance structures at 3930 West Land Park Drive are eligible for listing in the Sacramento Register. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Clerk, are there any members of the public who would like to speak on this? Thank you, Chair. I do not see any hands raised for this item. Okay, great. Commissioners, are there any questions for staff? Uh, I have a question. 
Um, it's very cool to see those photos. I live right by and walk by every day and seeing like the 60s Brady Bunch vibe of it all in those photos was very cool. Um, and looking through the report, it looks like this study initiative started in 2011. And it, since the zoo is moving, set now to move to Elk Grove, and I'm not sure exactly when, but I'm curious both like how that factors into it and what that would mean for whatever happens next at the site. And are there any other efforts with the zoo moving to like to landmark other parts of the zoo, the zoo itself, you know, as we think more holistically about that whole property? Is it just going to be these entrance structures that are like the left behind? I don't know if this this is the forum that would know, but, but generally, how are we thinking about the zoo moving as a part of this? Um, well, I can't speak to those specifically. Um, this this landmark nomination does specifically only mention the the zoo entrance structures, and this was actually something that has been going on since 2011, and and they were identified in that 2000 century uh, 2017 mid century modern uh, survey, um, which was before the zoo was even announcing that they were um, deciding to move. So this has kind of been something that's been in the works for a bit of time, that is is kind of coming along unrelated to the zoo deciding to move. And that would, um, the landmark status itself would really just protect this regardless of uh, the zoo moving. What um, if with our normal site, uh, site plan design review process, if, if uh, it would protect the historic structures and allow preservation to, to review any changes that, that are proposed in the future for these. Um, just one follow-up and hypothetically, if, if the, Ideal, not ideal, but if the proposed plan for the zoo site involved totally demolishing everything to build some whole new, who knows what, would that not be allowed anymore if we were to, to designate it or it would come back to this commission and others for review at that point? For the, are you are you including the zoo entrance in that or the, the yeah. rear portion? Yeah, so the um, this would list these as an environmental resource for CEQA purposes, and that would trigger a whole level of review, and, and staff would likely not support it, and they would require a CEQA um, environmental impact report um, as a historic resource. Thanks. I appreciate Commissioner Sloskin's um, question, because I asked the same thing to Sean yesterday, uh, to Director DeCourcy, about um, how the impact what impact would be made if the zoo were to relocate. And he did reaffirm that anything that would remain on the site is just, is what we're discussing tonight is just the uh, zoo entrance itself. So I guess if any design review or discussion action that were to come forward, um, we would have some leverage in saying if, and correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, but <laughs> we would have some leverage to discuss whether or not like um, if they can demolish it, but I'm pretty sure we wouldn't want it to. Um, and since the zoo is leased by the city, I'm assuming that, I mean, since this zoo is owned by the city, I assume that um, anything that does come forward, you know, will will have some pretty big teeth in the game if someone were to try to demolish it. And Chair, if I could add, um, I think one of the advantages, well, let's back up. Um, if the zoo moves, I don't know that that's an absolute certainty, but that's an expectation. Um, there are no plans at this point um, for what the rest of the property, you know, may be or how it's used. I, th I think the advantage here is these are quite close to the road, and with whatever comes later, um, there would be a, a significant opportunity to integrate that into the 
the reuse of the property. If these were back somewhere deep into the property, they might be more problematic, but they would serve as a, a really interesting entry element or associated element for anything that might come along. And, you know, you get to tell two stories at one time, what was there before and, and the items preserved as well as what might be coming forward. So um, I think the, the significance here is that it doesn't prohibit or make difficult um, the later reuse of the property and still preserving these. And just to add one thing to that, um, and specifically in regards to Commissioner Slavkin and Montemayor's question, um, the historical association is with um, the architect and the design, not the zoo. Uh, it's a, tied to the zoo, as it notes, but its important historic significance is uh, for its architecture. So having a zoo move wouldn't affect um, its significance. Great. Any other questions? I had one that's probably a little bit in the weeds, but um, this there's a significant discussion about the architect. And as uh, Commissioner Root just noted, that's um, part of the significance. Uh, and there's mention in uh, the nomination about, in general, the structural approach. And uh, I think the structural engineer that kind of came up with how to do this, but um, I was wondering if there was any further just documentation on the rest of the team. I assume they had a structural engineer that uh, assisted with this design, uh, but if there is anything you know additional, it would be nice to, to note, I think the full team, if, if it's known, if any of those drawings uh, provided additional people Thank you, Chair. Yeah, we can look into and see um, if there's any other additional information about them. I know um, in the National Register nomination, um, there is some additional information about that, and there was one page of drawings. So I, I would I can look into seeing if there are additional uh, drawings available. Would be knowing that we do have, um, you know, uh, beyond architects, there have certainly been uh, longstanding uh, practices in other. Um, you know, areas that would be nice to note if, if possible. Um, okay, any other comments? Uh... None for me. I do have a procedural question then about all this. If um, uh, Henry and his team were to look into some of those issues that you flagged, is as far as moving this forward, is this something that we just kind of table for a little bit and allow them to do some additional research or do we sort of make the re recommendation now and sort of include a caveat that if significant information related to the structural engineer is included as well or um, how does that all work? Bruce, well, do you want to chime yeah, in? Yeah, let me jump in. If you expressed a desire to perhaps you know, fill out some more information on the rest of the team, given the uniqueness of the structural approach, um, today you're uh, theoretically possibly making a recommendation to the City Council um, to uh, add this project to listing of structures. Um, and I, I, I think making that um, recommendation today 
and while this is moving forward to city council, we can go back in and see what additional information might be available and fill that in and just add that to the report that ends up going to the council along with a note that Preservation Commission was interested in knowing who else might have participated in the overall design of this and the uniqueness of the structure. So um, I, I think it's that if the commission decides to make that recommendation, we will add additional research and add that to the staff report. Great, thank you. You bet. Thank you. Yeah, I don't believe it would affect the ordinance um, as written either. Uh, okay, so with that, if there are no more questions or comments, uh, I would be looking for a motion uh, to approve staff's recommendation. Uh, I'll to provide the motion. Oh, there you Sorry. go. <laughs> <laughs> I um, motion to approve staff recommendation. And and, uh, thank you. I have a motion by Commissioner Montemayor and a second by Commissioner Herrick. Clerk, will you please call the roll? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Herrick? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Montemayor? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Root? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Slavkin? Yes. Thank you. Vice Chair Miller? Yes. Thank you. Chair Valania? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Thank you. Okay. Item three on the agenda is uh, review and comment on the African American Experience History Project draft context statement. And we'll pass it back to Planner Cosgrove. Yes. Hi. Thank we you. have Carson Anderson to present on this item tonight. Thank you, Chair Valania. Thank you, Stacia. Um, I'm going to have our, our preservation planner, Henry, uh, roll up our PowerPoint presentation. So I'm, I'm happy to report to the commission that we're actually at the midway point in our African-American experience history project. Uh, this launched back in at the end of last year. Um, you had been reported to about our uh, request for proposals process and the uh, beginning of the public outreach and community engagement aspects of the project. Uh, at this juncture, we have uh, completed the draft historic context statement, uh, which you've all been uh, copied on that was uh, rolled out to the public approximately three weeks ago. Um, our community partner, Sacramento State, has completed uh, their task in support of the project. Henry, if you would go to the next slide in the uh, PowerPoint for us. Thank you. Uh, so uh, Sacramento State's public history program was one of the partners with us, one of several organizations and entities in the community who partnered with us to, uh, to support the effort. Uh, the uh, students in the history program completed thematic uh, term papers on black historical topics. Uh, they also conducted and completed, I think it is 12, 11 or 12 uh, oral histories 
um, with uh, Black elders in our community. We have at this juncture, as of last night, completed four community uh, meetings with the public, uh, decently attended, I would say anywhere from about 30 to close to 40 people at each of those meetings, a lot of new people at each one. So we're we're um, getting the word out about the project, which is which is very uh, gratifying. And um, we are um, receiving comment at this juncture on our historic context statement uh, draft. Uh, Henry, let's go to our next slide. I thought I would just briefly review the uh, the mission statement for the African-American Experience Project in case we didn't uh, go over this with the commission in our previous presentation. So um, in view of the history in America and in Sacramento of systemic racism and segregation, there's some specific, uh, excuse me, mission statement items that we're trying to uh, advance through, uh, through our project. Um, let's go to our next slide and talk about the desired outcomes from our effort. One of which is to celebrate Black history that's embedded in neighborhoods and in specific places. Um, we are also looking at this effort as a uh, kind of stepping, well, I won't call it a stepping stone, but as an initial step and an effort, we will hope it'll be multifaceted and go into the future. It'll be hopefully embraced by the community and they will help us carry out kind of future iterations of this effort. Uh, and that will um, garner support from um, grant community in the, in, uh, in the future to help that effort uh, or those future efforts move forward. Um, and we're also um, hoping that our um, endeavor will uh, advance the efforts going on both in our community and a statewide level. I'm thinking specifically of the, uh, the reparations task force that's operating currently. Hopefully this information will help support those efforts in moving forward. Uh, let's go to our next slide. Um, so some uh, newer um, developments as part of the project include uh, the uh, unrolling or unfurling, I should say, of our, our stipend program uh, per best practice and addressing a history of economic injustice in our community. We decided with input from some of our other um, community partners as well as other uh, jurisdictions who have undertaken studies like this to provide stipends to members of the community that are not part of our, our consulting team uh, to uh, compensate them in some way for the volunteering of their, their time and their expertise. So uh, some of the examples are, of that would be persons who have particular subject matter expertise or uh, folks such as um, one of our partners at Shiloh Baptist, for example, is serving as a community ambassador and helping to um, in-gather uh, 
oral history interviews with some of the uh, eldest members of the congregation, members who are now in their in their 80s and early 90s who remember uh, the church back in the middle of the 20th century. Uh, so those are some of the uh, efforts of the individuals who are being uh, rewarded for their support of the project through the stipend effort. Um, these stipends amount to um, essentially a 20% match of our uh, grant from the National Trust. Also wanted to mention um, the StoryCorps inspired um, effort to um, encourage the community to um, provide us oral histories of their family experiences, their elders, and, and the uh, uh, to describe the experience of growing up and living here in Sacramento uh, as part of the effort to uh, enrich the narrative. We have Paige and Turnbull, of course, doing the, the historic context statement, but um, there were limitations, as I'm sure all of you are aware, to the written historic record that we can glean from looking at newspapers and looking at the archives at the Center for Sacramento History and the uh, uh, library resources. And so some of this unwritten history will come from speaking with members of the community who uh, can share their lived experiences. Um, I'll also mention uh, that we're also going to kind of fold into the oral history effort uh, an effort that's focused on Black family genealogical research. Uh, and that particular part of this effort will uh, start uh, next year, January or February of next year. We can have our next slide. So we're um, excited to uh, talk with you about the draft historic context. Uh, this has been out in the community. We're hoping that it will elicit lots of comment and input from the community. We had um, a community meeting yesterday where um, I think everyone in the room was basically new to the document. And so we kind of sat down with Paige and Turnbull, our consultants, and went through the chapter headings to give people kind of an idea of how to navigate the document. and a sense of what, what the document contains. So as you can see, there are uh, several themes. One of them has to do with the migration and settlement patterns in Sacramento over time. Uh, that part of this document will talk about um, using census data, by the way, we'll talk about how people arrived here, what parts of the country and what parts of the world they came from and in landing here in Sacramento, some of the occupational patterns, where the where the community, excuse me, where the community was located over time. Um, our second of our historical themes is um, a discussion of the uh, African American business uh, sector in Sacramento, uh, how commercial enterprises develop over time. There is a rich history. I was surprised to learn that we have businesses here operated by African-Americans going back to the very founding days of the city 
in the 1850s, even in the late 1840s period and going forward. And uh, noted that there were some changes as the racial climate in the United States hardened, as racial attitudes hardened towards the end of the 19th century. There were changes in the number of businesses and the types of businesses that African-Americans uh, could operate in our community. Uh, let's go to our next slide, which highlights the third uh, historical theme uh, discussed in the historic context statement, which is religion and spirituality. Um, we have in Sacramento some of the oldest churches established not just in Sacramento or California, but in the, on the entire west coast of the United States. Those include St. Andrew's African Methodist Episcopal Church, which was established in 1850 and became the first African-American congregation, a religious congregation on the West Coast, and Shiloh Baptist, which was established about six years after St. Andrew's was established, making it probably the second oldest such um, Black institution on the West Coast of the United States. Um, the, um, another very, very important theme is uh, the effort to attain civil rights and justice and freedom in our community. There is a long-standing, fascinating effort dating back to the middle of the 19th century to do things like ensure that Black school children could receive a public education. It might be surprising to us as Californians that like in the South, in the United States, that our city and our state were not interested in funding public education for Black children, that Black persons were not allowed to testify in our court systems. All of these things were addressed by um, advocacy within Sacramento's Black community, dating back to its earliest uh, days and going forward uh, into the 20th century. Um, the commission will recall the nomination of the Nathaniel Colley Law Offices. I think that was a couple of years ago. Uh, Colley was one of, of the most instrumental members of the community and the legal profession in advancing uh, civil rights and justice in our community. Uh, and these efforts go forward to the present. Um, and then let's go to our next slide. Uh, which highlights the role of Sacramento and Sacramentans in arts, culture, and recreation. Um, there are some fascinating stories about individuals who rose uh, at the top of their professions uh, in, um, in the music and theater, um, also in the, uh, the sphere of athletics. Uh, all of them proud Sacramentans, and that story is covered in the historic context. Let's go to the next slide. So uh, to highlight the next steps in our effort, so um, just to let everyone know the document has been rolled out using several platforms. Uh, we've posted the document online. Uh, we have also reached out to all of our community partnering organizations and their networks of contacts uh, via email to share out the document. 
and we are also making hard copies available to individual members and church congregations, as well as posting uh, copies in our public libraries for people to access and comment on. Um, this is, uh, as you know, this uh, our presentation tonight is for review and comment from the commission. Uh, staff is asking that the commission provide such comments as it wishes this evening and that individual commission members uh, provide any comments they may wish to make one-on-one uh, uh, -on -one, uh, by the uh, public comment deadline, which is December the 15th. Um, we will be having, just to let you all know, a, uh, our fifth public uh, community meeting on December the 6th. That particular meeting will be focused around um, talking about the historic context statement and uh, hopefully we can break up into discussion groups and, and get some detailed feedback at that time on the context statement. Uh, um, just another heads up that we will be uh, with uh, Paige and Turnbull's um, efforts, rolling out a uh, second draft of the context statement in around late March, early April of next year. And uh, at the beginning of next year, we'll also be uh, kind of shifting gears slightly and focusing on the, uh, the property survey methodology and the field survey effort, which will be uh, supported uh, by the uh, students at uh, Sacramento State uh, University in the cultural resources management class. So that concludes uh, my presentation. So uh, if there are any questions, I will, I will try and respond to them. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Clerk, do we have any public comment? Thank you, Chair. I do not see any hands raised for this item. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Commissioners, uh, any questions? This is a review and comment, so um, we can kind of take it all together. Um, but I would certainly be curious to hear what everyone is seeing in this draft. Well, I guess I can go first. Um, first of all, um, yeah, I just want to commend the team on all the hard work that you guys have been doing, the amount of coordination and outreach. Um, it's definitely, uh, it shows. Um, and the, the, the level of pride and um, uh, attentiveness to this topic, um, yeah, it's, it's great to see. So um, congratulations to all of you so far. Um, I think as far as like the actual draft goes, it, it definitely reads like a draft. Um, and certainly the amount of information that's presented is extensive. So uh, <laughs> no shortage of things to go through. Um, I think one of the big things for me as I was reading through it was just, um, I know upfront in the document, it says that uh, they, they discuss how a lot of these resources and buildings are no longer extant. Um, it then refers to them specifically calling out whether they're extant or not, and then buildings or properties that are either demolished or have yet to be evaluated are sort of left without parentheticals. Uh, I 
I think that's a strategy. I can see how it would make sense just given the amount of loss of resources, particularly in those sections regarding the West End. Um, I do think that it feels a little backwards and might just need to be fine-tuned a little bit. I think, you know, there were some properties reading through where I thought maybe they were in fact still there. Um, so I, I would just uh, ask that the uh, consultant go through that, double check those and maybe rethink the strategy um, instead maybe calling up buildings specifically that have been demolished. And then I know you guys are getting into the survey work, but certainly some kind of, uh, uh, whether it's like a table or some sort of database that sort of clearly outlines that information in a succinct way. Um, that's maybe not the most useful to the general public, <laughs> but as a consultant, that's certainly something that we look for. So um, uh, uh, in addition to that, I think, you know, some of the figures that are included, um, very simplistic, and I think they're fantastic in showing sort of um, sort of where, how these resources were sort of organized in different neighborhoods, and it sort of lends to the sense of how these different themes uh, developed and manifested themselves into the city uh, through these periods of development. But I, I think those graphics could go a step further. Um, I could understand including like addresses and things like that might get a little cluttered, but whether they could differentiate whether how many of those buildings were extant, how many were demolished, things of that nature, just to um, get a little more data that we can sort of extrapolate from those figures, I think that would be really helpful. But um, yeah, those were sort of the two uh, big things uh, for me, so. Commissioner Slotkin, that, that, excuse me, Commissioner Herrick, those are those are great comments, um, all helpful to to uh, to note. Um, I would, I think one of the issues that our consultant is confronting right now is that we haven't really had an opportunity to go out and do a um, historic resources site survey. So the re the the focus at this juncture has been on going through mountains of data and collating that and kind of boiling it down for, for the public. And we were going to be relying upon uh, some of the students at Sacramento State when they, uh, as the focus of the cultural resources management class uh, in January, February, uh, begin to actually take the information that's been outlined in the, the draft historic context and go out and look and track down buildings and do field documentation and actually prepare um, state historic resources inventory forms on approximately 10 or so properties. So as we shift gears, beginning kind of beginning actually next month, when um, the consultants will uh, prepare an early version of the survey uh, methodology framework, and then going into the beginning of next year, we'll be able to actually focus a bit more on this and clear up this information. So that by the time the second draft comes out in March or early April of next year, we'll have the points that you raised uh, quite legitimately addressed. Great, thank you. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And um, yeah, I understand that it's a kind of, uh, yeah, there's there's multiple pieces that need to be coordinated, so uh, I can certainly appreciate that.
Um, I'll just add one thing. Uh, Carson, nice to see you again. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I just have to, again, also commend uh, you and uh, the entire team on this effort. I know large-scale historic contexts like these are um, really hard to dig through yeah, the mountains of archival research and oral histories and things like that. And um, I think what's been prepared thus far is, uh, is great. Um, I like that you frame this as, um, as a foundation. Um, and I know that this document will be literally the foundation for hopefully lots of other efforts. Um, and I wanna just emphasize my, uh, my hope that this will just be step one, um, because most of these historic contexts, while um, are while useful for a lot of people, they're not as easily accessible to a broader population. Um, so I'm hoping that um, hoping to see. Um, a deliverable in the future, um, again, probably with another grant cycle or something to that effect, um, that um, allows a more uh, multimedia presentation of the information. I know we're doing oral, you're doing oral histories, and there's previous oral histories that were conducted at the Center for Sacramento History years ago. Um, uh, I, I hope to see that um, there is something that uh, the community at large um, can utilize and access more easily. Um, historic contexts are just, you know, notoriously um, a little dry. Um, and this is such a wonderful um, and well, terrible at times history. Um, it needs to be something that um, uh, displays that um, probably uh, in a uh, more accessible way rather than just historic context. So again, knowing that this is all just, you know, step one of many, um, I just would like to really reiterate that I hope to see um, this continue and be something that is um, digestible for a larger audience. Thank you for your comments, Commissioner Root. I could just see you again. It's been a while. Um, so I have good news for you. We have been in dialogue with the Sojourner Truth Museum and the Sacramento History Museum and the Center for Sacramento History, uh, a number of entities about how we can take the information here and create curricula for high school and elementary school students. Um, include in a docent training program at the Sojourner Truth Museum on how we can take this information and uh, with Visit Sacramento, for example, we actually have a, a dialogue going with them. They attended one of the uh, associates at Visit Sacramento, actually attended our, our third uh, community meeting and was very, very excited about this and the applications for heritage tourism. So we will be having a dialogue probably early next year with Visit Sacramento about how we can utilize this information and in promotion of heritage tourism objectives. There's also a public art component of this potentially as we identify locations to go to uh, a point that was raised by by Commissioner Herrick about sites that 
where we don't have a, an extant building, we're looking to maybe a second or a third stage of this project, which will focus on uh, public art efforts, memory projects of various sorts, where we create virtual tours using you know, the latest technology uh, to give people to, to allow people to immerse themselves in the history of play. So all of that is on the table. We just need more time, staffing and budget to, to uh, pursue it. But the community is excited about helping us uh, pursue those aims. So thank you for your feedback. That's yeah, great like to hear, Carson. It's, yeah, the interpretive and didactic mediums and possibilities with just this wealth of information. It seems like it's endless. And yeah, the creativity already seems like it knows no bounds. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'd just like to echo Commissioner Root's comments. Uh, Mr. Anderson, congratulations on making it to the midway point of this project. I mean, I fully appreciate the work that's been put into it. And I understand that there's going to be a community toolkit so that we can understand the past. But often in planning, you know, we put so much work and effort into producing these reports. I hate to see it just sit on the sh shelf. So I like to hear that there's already been dialogues happening in the community, how this project is now is meaningful regardless, um, but it's being applied to work. And um, I can't wait to hear other purposes that it will feed into um, so that it just doesn't end up being a policy document that sits on the shelf, you know? So I appreciate that's already being put to use. Thank you very much, Commissioner. I should also highlight the oral history component of this. We're taking a story core type approach, kind of inspired by them. I don't know if we're literally using exactly the same format, but having grandchildren and children sit down and recording oral history interviews with, with relatives and members of the community. And that's a really important part of this effort. And it kind of feeds in some of the information that comes out of those oral histories will actually go into the next draft of the historic context. And it kind of will, hoping it will take on a life of its own and that that will propel interest in applying the information that's in the historic context so that it's not merely this planning document that we produce that sits on a shelf, but gets engaged by the community. So we're, we're very mindful of that and appreciate your comment on it. Any additional thoughts? Uh, I think everything I noticed has been certainly mentioned. The extant no notation is uh, was tough to track. And I think I uh, ended up trying to go through and highlight and count. And there was maybe 20, 25 potential uh, uh, properties that are there. So that uh, the site survey will be really uh, exciting to see. And I know that they said that that would come in the future draft. Uh, so I think some way to just even as a, the way that the other maps have been shown even to date of where properties are just to see what understanding it may or may not be eligible. And, uh, but is it even, uh, you know, there's, is there anything there at this point um, that would be, you know, potentially recognizable will be helpful. Uh, 
And then I think um, this was a tremendous amount of new information to me. Uh, and so I feel like from my reading and the goals of the project, it appears that they are being met, but um, uh, it, you know, it appears to be an accurate narrative, but I also don't have another narrative to judge this against. Um, I'm curious if what you're hearing, and I know it's only been out for three weeks, uh, if what you're hearing from the community uh, is, is this meeting the goals of the project at this point? Would, uh, are you getting good feedback uh, of the information being reflected back? People have been very receptive. We're not, we have not received a lot of, of detailed feedback on the, uh, the context statement as yet. It's, it's been mainly internal. It's been Paige and, and Turnbull and staff and, um, and some of our community partners who have weighed in the most at this structure. Okay. I think that'll be interesting to hear as uh, you get more feedback in the next month is uh is this doing everything it certainly set out to do? Uh, and I know you said that the public comment deadline and for us as well, if there's any additional comments is uh, December 15th. So um, certainly any commissioners, you can send those send those comments to uh, Director DeCourcy uh, and uh, Carson, if you have his address or uh, certainly Director DeCourcy will get them over to you. Um, any other questions, Commissioner Slavkin? Yeah, I'll just add that reminded me to the point on narrative. Something that I really liked about the report and think it did a great job of that the goals set out was telling, you know, a lot of the darker, accurate truths about what happened and development and how people were treated, um, but also being so kind of positive and celebratory where appropriate. And for me, some of the parts about like James Beckworth, one of the first fur trappers and the miners at Negro Bar and things like that that weren't necessarily like a bummer. They were just cool stories about people in Sacramento that's the bummer than before. And so to the points about how we can share those stories more broadly. And again, something like James Beckworth, probably not a building per se that we can like protect to make sure everybody knows that legacy. Um, but as a part of this project, how we can, like you were saying, Carson, public art or memory projects, bring in some of those stories that aren't just about, you know, the neighborhood was torn down and everybody was kicked out and it was so sad. And, and to go to one of our, our mission statement items to uh, one of our, our key goals was to provide a, a, a objective and accurate as much as we can narrative and accurate and as complete as we can historical narrative about the African-American experience. So that includes a, a truthful treatment of the impact of racism and segregation on the community, but it also includes, as you were, were saying, Commissioner Slavkin, positive stories. There's a lot of really positive, just um, eye-popping, actually, things that Sacramentans uh, achieved, accomplished, did. And those stories must be uh, shared as well as some of the more negative stories. So, yes. Okay. Uh, anything else, the commissioners? 
Okay, then if there's nothing else from staff on this, um, we will look forward to seeing this come back and certainly uh, hopefully good, good attendance and uh, um, participation in review of the draft. Um, this is very exciting um, to see moving along. So uh, congratulations, Carson. <laughs> this has been a long time coming. Thank you, Chair Villania. And yes, I would encourage each of you to uh, submit comments individually if you so choose. Um, you have all the uh, relevant details about how to do that. We welcome your, your input on this. And thank you for your time this evening. Thank you. Uh, so with that, we will uh, move on. The, uh, the next item on the agenda is commissioner comments, uh, ideas, questions. Uh, does anyone have anything? Okay, I know there have been some, uh, certainly some conferences in the last uh, month or two, the National Trust Conference and APT both just happened, but um, I don't know that we had too much attendance at those. So, um, okay. There's nothing then the next item on the agenda is public comment matters not on the agenda. Uh, Clerk, do we have any members of the public? Thank you, Chair. I do not see any hands raised for matters not on the agenda. Great, thank you. And then on the agenda is the director's report. Do we have a director's report today? We have no items for the director's report this evening. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we uh, we hope Director DeCourcy is uh, feeling better. Uh, so I think with that, uh, we will adjourn the meeting. Thank you, everyone, for your participation. Um, see you next month. Thank you.